Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost. I'm your host Annette. And I'm Stephen. And today we're on episode 82. We need a pew, 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 pew. <laughs> like a you corporate is pew. <laughs> um, today we are going to Los Angeles. Do you want to take a sip of water there, Stephen? No, I don't think I deserve it. <laughs> we crack on? Crack on. Never let it be said that I won't cover something bizarre because it's too true crimey. That being said, I'll leave out the gory details and focus more on the paranormal. But today's story isn't lacking in the strange or paranormal. For today's story, I feel I need to do a disclaimer. This episode will include mentions of suicide, stabbing, rape, filicide and many other things that some listeners may find upsetting. So if this episode is too heavy for you, feel free to skip. We appreciate how much you support us in every other episode. When something blows my mind, I have to know more about it. And this particular case is both bizarre and utterly tragic. As with most deaths, it's seldom the person who is gone that I feel for. Don't think me as cold, but I feel more for the people that they leave behind. And the people left behind in today's story are still reeling from the ordeal to this day. Eliza Lam, also known as her Cantonese name Lam Ho Yi, was a 21-year-old college student studying at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. Alyssa struggled with mental health issues and had bipolar disorder, but never let that stop her from leading a full life. In fact, she actively blogged about her mental health and ran the page called Ether Fields, which remains up to this day, recounting her struggles with depression and bipolar disorder. On January 22, 2013, Alyssa began what she called her West Coast tour. She was planning to visit San Diego, Los Angeles, Santa Cruz and San Francisco, but a tragic and mysterious event cut her trip short. Due to the obvious dangers of travelling alone, and this part broke my heart, Alyssa would check in daily with her parents, like every day of her vacation. So naturally, if a day went by without a phone call, of course, her parents would worry. So she made sure to call in San Diego, where she spent two days, before moving on to Los Angeles. However, that would be the last stop on her tour. These are my best attempts to try and create a timeline of what happened, even though we have no idea what happened. On January 26, 2013, Alyssa arrived in Los Angeles and checked into the somewhat infamous Cecil Hotel on South Main Street. On January 31st, Alyssa was seemingly spotted by a worker at the hotel. At the beginning of February, Alyssa was meant to check out as she was supposed to be moving on along her West Coast tour, but she never showed up for checkout, which prompted calling the police. On February 6th, the LA Police Department released details about the suspicious disappearance of a missing Vancouver woman, and then the following day, the 7th, they held a press conference about her disappearance. By February 14th, the LAPD released a two-minute-long surveillance video of Alyssa, and this video has since become probably one of the craziest last-seen rolls of footage I have ever witnessed. She seems to be acting unusual in the hotel's elevator, pushing the buttons for several floors, stepping outside the elevator, looking like she's engaged in a full-blown conversation with an entity that can't be seen, and then leaving. And then finally, on February 19th, after complaints came from guests of low water pressure at the hotel, 
a worker checked the hotel's water tanks and discovered a body. It's later identified as the missing Alyssa Lam. On February 20th, officials at the hotel issue a do not drink order to the hotel's residents after Alyssa's body was found in the water tank. Her clothes, the same ones she's wearing in the CCTV footage, were floating next to her. Now here's where it gets hard to know exactly what happened. Yes, her behaviour in the elevator was perplexing at best. But it's said that the last person to speak with her was a local bookstore owner. The fact that Alyssa was only halfway through her vacation and purchasing books for her family suggests that she had made no plans of taking her own life. Therefore, suicide quickly became ruled out by investigators and researchers. And although theories have been discussed regarding murder, accidental drowning or a mental break due to Alyssa's medication, some have theorised that Alyssa was communicating with an invisible presence and that she was led to her death. In addition, some theorists believe Alyssa's hands and arms appear to bend in an unnatural manner in the elevator footage. Given its history, the Cecil Hotel is said to be haunted. The hotel's sinister past may explain why so many strange things happened there. Because it wasn't the first death at the hotel, far from it. For its long history, the Cecil Hotel has been drenched in death, namely suicides. One of the nicknames for the Cecil Hotel is the suicide. Season 5 of American Horror Story was inspired by the creepy history of the Cecil Hotel. Here's what you need to know about the Cecil Hotel. So many people have died at the hotel, there's a Wikipedia page dedicated to the deaths. Upwards of 15 deaths by either murder or suicide are documented on this page. If you're curious, I have added the link to the show notes, don't worry, no judgement here, I looked. But for those who would rather hear it than read it, here's a list according to Wikipedia. Some of these smacked me across the face, metaphorically. The earliest recorded suicide at the Cecil took place in 1927, when Percy Ormond Cook, aged 52, shot himself in the head while inside his hotel room after failing to reconcile with his wife and child. Although the Los Angeles Times reported that he was rushed to the receiving hospital with a slim chance of survival, death records revealed that he died that same evening. And this happens a couple of times. The victim might die in the hospital, but the initial incident happened at the hotel. Following on from Percy, December 1930, Alison Troglin, aged 23, or so we thought, Alison checked in under an assumed pseudonym. She fell from the 12th floor window and is still to this day unidentified. November 1931, W.K. Norton, aged 46. Norton was found dead in his room after ingesting poison capsules. September 1932, Benjamin Doddage, aged 25, self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. July 1934, Sergeant Lewis D. Borden, aged 53. If I said self-inflicted neck wound, would you know what I meant so I didn't have to go into detail? March 1937, Grace E. Margot, aged 25. Now her death is a mystery. I can't find a definitive answer as to whether her death was caused by the fall from the ninth floor window or the telephone wire she landed on and ended up wrapped up in. What's even stranger is police were unable to determine whether Margot's death was a result of an accident or suicide. But I also wouldn't be surprised if someone didn't dismiss the idea entirely that she may have been murdered. July 1938, Roy Thompson, aged 35, fell from the building. 
May 1939, Irwin C., aged 39, ingested poison. January 1940, Dorothy Seeger, aged 45, ingested poison. September 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell, aged 19, was sharing a room at the Cecil with her boyfriend, shoe salesman Ben Levine. Apparently unaware of her pregnancy, Purcell went into labour. In her testimony, she said that she did not want to wake the 38-year-old sleeping Levine, so she went into the bathroom where she gave birth to a boy. Assuming the baby was born stillborn, she threw him out the window and he landed on an adjacent building's roof. Purcell was charged with murder, but her mental state at the time of the incident was described as mental confusion by three psychiatrists. In January 1945, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. November 1947, Robert Smith, aged 35, fell from one of the seventh floor windows. October 1954, Helen Gurney, aged 55, fell from one of the seventh floor windows. February 1962, Julia Frances Moore, aged 50, fell from one of the eighth floor windows. October 1962, Pauline Otten, 27, and George Giannani, 65. This one is tragic. Pauline jumped from a window following an argument with her estranged husband. Sadly, she landed on George Giannani, who was taking a walk at the time. The impact killed them both. As there were no witnesses to the incident, police initially thought that it was some sort of suicide pact between the pair. Subsequent investigation, however, ruled it for Giovanni due to him having his hands in his pockets and his shoes on. His shoes, apparently, would have fallen off with the jump. June 1964, Pigeon Goldie Osgood, aged 65. Osgood was well known around the area and had earned her nickname because she fed birds in nearby Pershing Square. There was no question of accident or not with Osgood's death. She was raped, beaten and stabbed to death. One Jack B. Elner, aged 29, was arrested and charged with her death after he was found walking through Pershing Square in bloodstained clothing, but he was later cleared and her murder remains unsolved. September 1992. In the alley behind the Cecil, the body of an African-American man was found. Police said he had either fallen, jumped or been pushed from the hotel's 15th floor. No identification has been made of the 20 to 30 year old male. Then there was Alyssa, and then the most recent death, believed to be a suicide, occurred in 2015 when the body of a 28 year old man was discovered outside of the Cecil Hotel. People believed that he had jumped, but according to the LAPD, the cause of death hasn't been determined. Another well known case linked to the hotel is that of the Black Dahlia. The 1947 murder of actress Elizabeth Short is perhaps one of the great unsolved murders of history. Seemingly, Short was seen at the Cecil Bar in the days leading up to her death. If we're being honest, the sighting was never actually confirmed, but it's easy to see how it would fall into the narrative. The Cecil Hotel has also housed serial killers over the years. In the 80s, the infamous serial killer Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, allegedly stayed at the hotel. In the 1990s, Austrian serial killer Jack Unterwiger lived there. He was sent there to report on the different cultural attitudes about sex work in the US versus in Austria when he went on a horrific killing spree targeting the sex workers he was supposed to be interviewing. Considering the hotel's history, when I asked myself who could be haunting the hotel, well it could be any of those poor souls. 
There are stories of cold spots, shadowy figures and a feeling of being watched just like most creepy old buildings. There was a story doing the rounds a couple of years ago of a photograph showing a shadowy figure on the outside of one of the windows of the Cecil Hotel, looking as if it was about to jump, and other stories of seeing a spirit that looked a lot like Elizabeth Short. One of the biggest mysteries for me is how the hotel is still open, but people still come in droves every year. And with such a bad history of either death by suicide or murder, the only reason I can think of is just so they can say I survived my stay at the Cecil Hotel. What do you think of that story? That was a great story. Oh, I was, and I was, I had seen that particular season of American Horror Story, so I was like picturing it and I was like, any minute now she's going to talk about Lady Gaga. I haven't seen that yet. Oh, spoiler alert. The only reason I haven't seen it is because after the circus, American Horror Story kind of got a bit weird for me. But yeah. I love the coven and I love the first season, so... Yeah, have a look at have a look to see something I think I'll just skip the circus one altogether. Yeah, do, 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 um, do. Because and, anyone and I've said that to hasn't said, ah, oh, no, you should watch it, because it's just weird. It is weird. It's more freak show weird than haunted weird. Whereas this one gets back to, like, the first one was haunted. First oh one yeah, haunty, haunty. Like, yeah, but the, booga, booga, ah. We would have said off air there. I asked you if you'd ever heard of the Dahlia story. Mm. Um, the Black Dahlia was actually in the first season, where the house belonged to a dentist because seemingly that's what happened to her. She was okay. They don't actually know. It's a fantastic. There's so many different podcasts on it, but it's a fantastic true crime story. But she did complain in that the days coming up to her um, death or let's call a spade a spade, the day she was murdered. Leading up to that, she was complaining of tooth pain. So when it came up in American Horror Story, I thought I liked the way they stayed kind of true to that a little bit because I don't know any of the other stories. Now, in fairness, the American Horror Story where they have the saxophone player guy, the yeah. Axeman, yeah. um, I only knew about that because I listened to a podcast called Unsolved Mysteries True Crime and they... It's not just a podcast where the two hosts talk about it, uh, a show like you and I do. Mm. They talk about it, but in the background, there's like proper voice actors oh. acting out the show. It's absolutely, it's a huge production, but they're like, oh yeah, it takes about an hour to do a show. And I'm like, that's amazing. Mm. Um, but this one, I did try my very best to watch, but I definitely got to listen to a lot of stuff from the Netflix series. Um, there was like four episodes on the Cecil Hotel. I didn't realise how invested people got because to me, I don't know, it was maybe 2012 before I really started getting into like maybe Facebook and stuff like that. Like her blog was on Tumblr. Mm. Tumblr just doesn't seem like a, an app that I would ever use, but it was so big for, for her at the time and it was a wonderful outlet for her. But there were so many people that got so invested when, as soon as they heard that she was missing, they were like, hang on a second I heard something and this doesn't seem right and how have they not found her yet if there's no CCTV footage of her ever leaving the hotel like I'll show you the CCTV mm. footage because her behaviour is so strange show to me in a minute yeah. but I was just going to say the reason why people still go back there is because ghosts can't write Yelp reviews that's very true that's very true please don't come here you may die yeah you can't it's like no. okay you can type it in and they go press in it's like please give us an email again. Yeah. and gmail doesn't give ghost email <laughs> it's not ghost it's ghost <laughs> mail but you know it's mad though because the hostess not the hostess the manager in the hotel was like yeah and I swear to god as soon as it came up on the news it was like we just got super busy and I'm like 
she's saying that like it's a surprise like what did she think was going to happen paranormal when i was talking to the hairdresser the other day and i told her i had a paranormal podcast i always feel kind of touch and go about how people are going to react to it now even the people who say that it's not for them but they still enjoy true crime or they still enjoy podcasts always says oh my god you're so brave and i'm like they know that i do most of my research in the dark don't they they know they can see it on my face but the paranormal world for people is so alluring and they just have to be a part of it but for them i suppose because she was so young she was in her early 20s because she was i was gonna say our age she's not our age she could be my kid sister god she could be no she couldn't be my daughter i'm not that much older but because she was everyone else's age at the time she would have been our age at the time people felt so invested because they they got a little bit sleuthy let's call it there was a guy who is i think he considers himself rock metal so it's really hardcore i have an eclectic taste when it comes to music there are some music genres that i'm kind of like do you know what you go listen to it that's cool you go go you i would never disrespect someone because of their taste in music but this is very dark for my liking like it talks about corpses and bodies and blood but someone found out that he had stayed in the cecil hotel and one rumor turned into another rumor turned into another rumor and it destroyed him not his career he was still trying to write music but he just didn't have he didn't have it in him to do it again but he just got bombarded on facebook and instagram everywhere that you can think of that you get a message and it turns out that he did stay in the hotel three days before the date she stayed there the year before and no one apologized to him no one recanted what they said no one went into their dms and kind of thought you know what it's very obvious I sent him a message I'll just send him a message underneath this going look I'm really sorry I just got so passionate about this and people are just people are dicks on on their keyboards Um, but I didn't realise as well (laughs) I'm kind of raging now because I wrote this before I obviously it's it's very evident that I wrote this before I watched the documentary Um, because there was a conspiracy theory circling around tuberculosis because apparently there was an outbreak of tuberculosis in the hotel and there is a tuberculosis now listeners correct me if I'm wrong but I think I heard from the Netflix series there is a lab specifically testing strains of tuberculosis where she went to college oh yeah and they were wondering was she patient zero did they send her in there because I didn't realise I always thought Skid Row was like a couple of blocks I didn't realise it was 50 something blocks of just the whole downtown and there was a bit of gentrification done a couple of years ago but it just seems and this isn't me criticising we have our own homeless issues here but in Skid Row alone there's about 50,000 homeless people and they've just become used to living nowhere yeah they're just complete nomads and everyone just kind of picks a corner and hopes to god that no one comes in and kills them during the night for the sake of the fact that they have a tin of beans and I'm not taking the piss I'm like it. you just it's become common knowledge now that even the hotel the police said that they get like two to four phone calls a day just for the hotel alone and um, because i always thought that was the whole hotel like the, uh, all the floors i think it's 14 floors but it doesn't have a 13th floor is that a common thing with hotels yes yeah. yeah everybody's superstitious uh, especially in the haunted hotels <laughs> but like do you remember when do you, sorry do you remember do you remember in 2000 and 11, 2012 all the car dealerships were going mad because they thought nobody would buy a car because it was just, it, the red would be oh, 13 yeah. and they put this thing about like 
put that was the best time to put in yeah you need to explain this because most of our listeners are american card so the car dealers wanted to split the year up into two when they used the superstition as an aid for getting what they wanted (laughs) as an aid that's actually exactly what they did um but in reality they want to split it up into two because the the what did you call it when I bought my car? The vanity purchasers. I, I'm not judging at all. I'm okay with it. I bought my car because it's a vanity car. But the, <laughs> they would want to buy the newest car. So if they split the year into two, they would buy two new cars here yeah, instead so of instead one of new car. Yeah, so instead of just January sales, they would have... What did we just... It's Ju- January and July. Yeah. So basically the way the registration plates work over here is it's the year the car was registered. The county it was registered in and then... Uh, they're actually backwards so basically if you have a 12d 1234 that means that it was the 1234th car registered in dublin in 2012 so the registrations work backwards but we know how to read them forward but when it came to 2013 instead of it being 12 13 14 it went 12 and then 131 and then 132 in July and I thought that it, they, I thought maybe they'd get away with they, they'd just do 131 for the full year and then go back but they were like mm, no there's too many monies to be made here because how many times have you been on the motorway we only kind of talked about it last week while we were in the car yeah or this week while we were in the car I said I hadn't seen any uh, 232s yet and I was like no sure they won't be coming out until July but why did we even get onto this topic? 13, floor. I was talking about Cars. the superstition, yeah. And then you said what I said. I don't think I've ever worked in a building that had more than... Oh, and that's the other reason why we got a house. Yeah, that's actually true. <laughs> <laughs> we got a cancellation because somebody didn't want the house number 13. I don't I don't think... No, I've spoken to my best friend about this and she has basically explained it to me. A number is what you make it. If you got a smack of the number seven bus when you were little and ever since then the number seven has just not been lucky for you then obviously seven is an unlucky number for you but seven seems to be a really good lucky number in uh chinese culture even in irish culture i suppose seven seems to be a good number and i'm like yeah 13's never done anything wrong on me and if you're a fan of strictly come strictly come dancing bruno tonioli loves the number seven If you're not a fan, you've no idea to watch this happen. Let's <laughs> crack on. I don't actually know because I haven't watched the show. The only thing I know about the show is you're my favorite or whatever it is that you. Is oh that... yeah, you're my favorite. Yeah, yeah. You Bruce did... Forsyth. You're oh, my favorite. Bruce... He says you're my favorite. To everybody, and I think that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Because everybody says favorite. Yeah, but he doesn't. And favorite. nobody knows. When I remember the first time you said that to me, I was like, "I'm your favorite." What? And you were like, "Just everything." I was like, "Oh, that is so much nicer than you thinking of specifics." Because I think what happens Keep then. Keep the compliments broad, kids. Yeah. No, you're dead right. Because what happens is, if you turn around to me and I said to you, "Why do you love me?" and you, your first answer was, "Cause you're beautiful," I'd be like, "Okay, you know I'm gonna get old." And that's not going to last. Whereas if you're just like, I love you. Why? Just because of everything. I'm like, oh, oh, all right. Yeah, cool. So keep it, keep it. What's the expression? Keep it sweet. Keep it sweet. Oh, wait, no. I think it was a serial killer who used to say that. No, it was a cunt. Never mind. Was it? Yeah. Oh, it was a cunt. Yeah. It was Jonestown. Was it Jonestown? Something like that. I was, I'll uh, keep. Keep sweet. <laughs> Pray, it's the keep sweet. Or keep sweet. Uh, something yeah it's one of them yeah there's nothing paranormal in there no, so I can't cover that story no was the one story. where they shot the whole building down no that was that was Waco sorry you were going to show me a video I was going to show you a video 15 minutes later no it's only it's only a 2 minute long video 
Now, so I've just showed Stephen the video there and I think you can probably agree, it's probably the weirdest last scene footage. Because it's so long, normally last scene footage is like in and out of a garage or, you know, you see somebody walking by a building or something. You don't see something for like, what was that, two and a half minutes I showed you? It, it was strange, not you. It was strange that the elevator lift didn't go anywhere. She pressed all the buttons or something. And I seen yeah. you, you said earlier that it looked like somebody was twisting her hands or something. I was her looking for it like and I was like, no, that's, that's, that's not. And then towards the end, I was like, yeah. ah, something's going on. And it looked like somebody had cropped out her hands. But at the same time, she could have been having a discussion slash argument with someone because she looked, she looked like she was looking in and out of the elevator. And she was she was still facing the same direction when she was doing her hands and having mm. that talk and I can I only apologise for the squeaky chair I'm sitting <laughs> I think uh, you're rubbing up against the uh, rad because your your leather jackets on the biker jackets on the back there and something like that but yeah it looks like someone was was she was either someone was invisible and holding her hands yeah. or she was having a conversation or it looked like she was having muscle spasms because yeah. her hands were moving in such a way that you wouldn't normally mm. so I don't know maybe her medication acted quite weird and she was having a uh, an epileptic fit or a muscle spasm of some description the coroner took his time and made sure that he got all of her blood work back before he even gave a prognosis I think that was probably the smartest thing to do because there was so much media coverage on this I can't even imagine the immense pressure that he and the rest of the LAPD were under but he waited until all of her toxicology came back and they expected a certain amount of her medication to be in her system because she was on an antidepressant and an antipsychotic or I think they refer to it as a mood stabiliser. I think the, basically yeah. the phrase is interchangeable. Um, and they said that her dosage was the opposite to what I thought, was lower. So they reckoned that she might have been not regimentally taking her medication while she was on because I think that can nearly affect you worse and if, worse. She's, yeah. if she's got uh, without sounding crass but a bad case of bipolar you know the way diabetes is done out in different levels okay. I think bipolar is done out the same different level. yeah so she was the worst level yeah. so like if it goes wrong it goes really wrong and you have highs and lows and you could be manic or depressed they're both as bad as each other yeah and because it's such a stigma about mental health in general, but in particular about bipolar disorder. I grew up thinking manic depressive was one mood, which makes absolutely no sense because the way she described it was, there are days where she could have four really good days, but she doesn't realize that she's manic. And then she ends up spending a week in bed. And I was like, right, so that's the that's the moods, that's the highs and lows. Whereas I'd love to be able to say you or I, but I, I have my own stuff going on, but generally, a person at their peak mental health fitness will just be ebbs and flows whereas someone with bipolar will be very very high and very very low and it's you never know if you're coming or you're going and the reason you're on these medications is to stabilize your mood but I think the reason that she took this trip was to prove to herself that she was just like everybody else. And she wasn't, she was a fantastic person. She was far more interesting than most people. But I think she thought of it as, because there's such a stigma behind it, she was nearly 
I can't tell people face to face that this is what I'm struggling with. But whereas online, she felt that she had that safe space, that forum where she could, you know, open up. So when the toxicology came back that the medication was really, really low, I think that because she was having such a great time on her holidays, she thought, I feel really great. And it's a common problem, speaking from experience. I'm not just saying this because it's something I heard. The common problem with people who are on medication to help with their moods is when you are feeling great, you're like, oh, I don't need these anymore. And there's a little voice in the back of your head going, yeah, you feel great because of the medication. Don't stop taking the medication. Um, so when it was much lower, I was like, that makes sense. She's been missing doses or she felt like she was having a great day, so she didn't need it. But the problem is then when you're not having a great day and it does look like she is having a very intense conversation with someone main reason I want to cover this part, this story, on, I, I know it's a very true crime story, but there's like, you know, the odd little shadow here and there. I find it very difficult to believe that so many people have died there and under different circumstances, but even those who have taken their own life. We've discussed this before, how, how lost and alone and this is my last resort do you have to feel? And those feelings, those energies have to just stick to the walls. So that building is just like covered in, it always reminds me of which Ghostbusters was it where they made? The slime? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's basically what I think is left behind. Just that residue, that sticky, horrible. It's the second one. It is. It is because the baby's already in it. Mm-hmm. And the culture dance. Oh, and the toaster died. Anyway, we're going to go off on a rampage again. I thought to myself, was she potentially, and I'm not taken away from the fact that it could have been her medication, and I'm not taken away from the fact that somebody might have seen her, known she was vulnerable, and took advantage and lured her to the tank. There's a number of different things that could have happened because she can't physically have put the lid back on the tank. It didn't have a hatch. No, sorry, it didn't have a latch that you could just pull this 20 pound door back on top of yourself. So to get it off and jump in, that's one thing. But this thing is like 10 feet tall and she's tiny, she's five foot something. So there's no way that she would have been able to put the hatch back on after she'd already fallen into the water. For whatever reason, she got in there of her own accord or she was hiding from someone or she was held at gunpoint and told to get in. There's so many reasons that she shouldn't have been where she was. Aside from the fact that the hotel should have locked it because you know that's basically the hotel's drinking water that Mm. that could have been a contaminant which ended up turning out to be a contaminant it was just her but there's so many different things I don't want to take away from I have to also visit the idea that maybe there was a presence there that well you have to because otherwise you're you're not a ghost story anymore I know but I have to latch on to the fact that if her mental state was not at its peak healthiness and she was in any way vulnerable and she was like a part of bipolar her bipolar is that she was hearing voices and then it made me think what if every single person who took their own life murdered someone there did awful things while they were there what if they were all visited by the first person who took their own life there's not one person who took their own life that didn't have an estranged husband or a strained relationship with their wife or had had a massive row and felt like there was nowhere I have to at least be open to the idea that she was lured granted her her death is class as an accidental drown because she did accidentally drown how she got in there is is the absolute mystery I have to wonder was she lured well yeah if, if that particular series of Netflix is anything to go by yeah the Austrian fella I, I didn't realise this because I knew that he had I think he'd killed 
11 people yeah. and I was like oh my god that's mental he killed one person while he was in Austria the rest of them were in, in the US yeah. and I'm like he he was the poster boy for prison reform when he was released from prison after murdering a woman he no. was the poster boy so he got a job as a journalist and that's why he was sent to do that report now I read about it and then it was only after I actually watched the, the pod, or not the podcast sorry after I watched the Netflix series I was like they sent him there they no. sent him somewhere that was exceptionally vulnerable and he just oh, I just awe oh. I don't know if this is an episode for you to come up with any characters or were you just in trouble no the I story? don't think I will I could I, the story was pretty good the only character really is Alyssa because that's where you delved into her personality and character yeah but the rest of them were just na- mentions and names and I don't and they, like you said earlier on it's too recent yeah it's different yeah. when it's like the 1940s or 50s and you kind of feel a little bit detached from it but because yeah. she's the last thing I want is like making up some character and our parents stumbling across, yeah. across this podcast because that's what it, and I mean this in the most gentle way possible unless it was somebody's grandparent or somebody's great grandparent and at least if it's something that we cover that's pre-1940 there's no one alive today who's going to be listening to it mm. and it be then you know whereas this is like I always feel so bad for people who take for instance serial killers who's the guy who recently got caught because of genealogy is it the Golden State Killer his grandkids his grandkids have to listen to every second person coming up with a podcast talking about him oh I bet his family knew how could they not know and I'm like I'll tell you now there's a bunch of people in there in the world that have done obscene things that their families know nothing about I still find it very hard to believe that that Austrian man who kept his daughter yeah I find it very hard to believe that his wife didn't know however I'd say she was absolutely petrified of him oh yeah because I think she was like 14 if she did know she the reason she didn't say is because she didn't think she would survive opening her mouth yeah and that's the sad truth about it um i think we will finish up there let's do it say your words so thank you so much for listening to today's episode i will of course include the links in the show notes and if you have any questions on this or any other episode our socials are what's the story ghost on instagram and what's the story ghost at gmail.com if you have any personal stories you would like to share and those are all my words exit jingle exit jingle this is another overhead exit jingle Bye. Bye. I accidentally broke into a, I think it was like Coney Street or East Enders or something there. I swear to God, I thought you were going to come up with a lot of things I have to bite my, bite my beeps on.